uh, dismissing the children. If you want to go back to your classes in the back, we're grateful that they have an opportunity uh, to go to classes on their level. And uh, there we go. While you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 4 today, if you would, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I thought it would be interesting in lieu of what we are celebrating today by giving you a few other items that turn 50 years old this year. Uh, The skateboard turns 50 years old this year. Uh, Our youth pastor likes to ride the skateboard. Can you believe that? Uh, I tried one time and and, uh, barely survived, so that's good. The game Uno was invented in 1972. It is 50 years old this year. The digital watch is 50 years old. The first digital watch uh, sold for $2,100, which is equivalent in Biden currency, $12,000 today. Uh, McDonald's McMuffin turns 50 years old uh, this year. McDonald's McMuffin. I don't know if you've had one lately. I had one recently, and it tasted about 50 years old, so uh, that makes sense. Uh, The Honda Civic. Snapple. Snapple turns 50 years old this year. And then one of my favorites, the Drip Coffee Maker, turns 50 years old. Who's thankful for the coffee makers of the world? Amen? Uh, that's, a, that's a very good thing. I say praise the Lord for the Drip Coffee Maker. But by far, my favorite would have to be uh, that Bible Baptist Church of Brookings, South Dakota, yesterday turned 50 years old. Fifty years ago yesterday was the first Sunday that they met. It was started as a vision in the heart of a man named Alvin Knutson. Uh, He came along with his dear wife, Lois, and they labored to make this gospel center a reality. Now, of course, we give the highest honor to God for the work that he has done and, and building his church. But I think it is entirely appropriate to honor those who labored within it. Uh, Dr. Alvin Knutson is in heaven now. Uh, We wanted to fly Miss Lois in, and unfortunately she couldn't be here with us today. Um, But she's watching this, and I want to say to her, thank you. It takes a special lady to be a pastor's wife. A pastor's wife, well, I should say a pastor is called. A pastor's wife is conscripted. You could say a pastor volunteers, but his wife is drafted. A pastor can make mistakes and be quickly forgiven. Often her mistakes follow her for years. A pastor's wife feels enormous pressure in a work that she never really asked for. And so, Lois, we thank you today. Thank you for the late nights serving when you only wanted to sleep. Thank you for your investment of grace and love in the infancy of this burgeoning church. Thank you for your patience when you're Husband made unrealistic plans. That's one of the things that we do. Uh, Lois, we're grateful. We're grateful and we wish you could be here with us today. As I hear that testimony, even on the video, thank you for trusting God through the lean times, staying at it and planting a work. We wish you could be here with us today, but we're grateful for you. Today we celebrate 50 years. 50 years of both triumphs and trials. 50 years of sending forth the gospel both at home and abroad. 50 years of loving and teaching on uh, children. 50 years of preaching the word of God. uh, Statistically, if I can get the word out, statistically, 
we have had few pastors. I am the seventh pastor that is serving here currently. And just to let you know, our Constitution has no term limits. So I'm not going anywhere anytime soon in case you were hoping for that. But each of these pastors did their part in growing this church through its various stages. And we could talk all day of the things that God has done through various people. But I, and I'm internally grateful uh, for the faith and the vision of the men that came before. But today is not simply a reflection of the things that God has done and past blessings. It is also an appeal for future responsibility. Vance Havner, that famous preacher, said, The hardest part of the journey is neither the start nor the finish, but the middle mile. He said there's an enthusiasm of a new undertaking at the beginning, and there's the thrill of reaching the goal that carries you down the home stretch. But it's in that middle mile when you're a long way from the start and still a long way from home. It's that middle mile that tests the character and the mettle of the traveler. If the Lord tarries today, we are in the middle mile. The average age of a church, that I should say the median age, not the average age, the median age of a church in America today is 73 years. And if the Lord tarries, we today, uh, as we are still going strong, amen, we are in our middle mile. Let us not get weary then in that middle mile. I want to encourage you today uh, in something that from Scripture here that I think will be a help to us, a challenge, and uh, I've been rejoicing in this principle all week long. Turn, uh, if, you, if you have Luke chapter 4 open, let's start at verse number 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He, he returned there, by the way, from his baptism and his time in the wilderness, his temptation. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region around about. And he taught in the synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Look down at verse number 21. Uh, verse 20, he closed the book. Verse 21, he says, Begin to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Today I want to talk to you about one word, Jubilee. Jubilee. Father, I pray you'd help us this afternoon as we look to celebrate what you've done here. Help us, Lord, to realize not only have been, we've been handed a great heritage, but we've been handed a great responsibility as well. I pray you'd challenge us now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to borrow your imagination for a few minutes as we are sitting in a Nazareth synagogue. As we sit in the synagogue there, this is where they would worship and uh, come together to worship God on the Sabbath. And as we look on, the, the leader of that gathering that day is looking around to see who might read the Scripture that day. And then his eye falls on Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary. Everybody knew this young man. He had lived in the community for 30 years and had no doubt done work for many of the people that were present. He worked as a craftsman, as a carpenter. Of course, several months ago, he had disappeared and, and uh, nobody knew where he was. He was out 
in the wilderness by himself. And there were some rumors, though. People have been talking about uh, much about his fiery cousin that uh, dressed weird and ate weird foods and came out of the desert and preached and, and uh, hooped and hollered, kind of like our evangelist this past week. Amen. And so he was, uh, he had, he, he, they had, he, somebody had even seen Jesus at one of those meetings and some said that Jesus had gotten baptized from his cousin, John the Baptist. At any rate, this young man, Jesus, had gained a reputation as he was going around, uh, teaching. Uh, he was different than the stuffy old religious leaders of the day. People were coming from far and near to hear the words that he had to say. So much so that in verse 14 we read that there went out a fame of him throughout the region around about. It's not hard to understand why uh, Jesus' preaching was admired, why it was sought after. Because in verse 14 it tells us that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. When you have any preacher filled with the Holy Spirit, people will pay attention. People will come from miles around to hear what he has to say. John Wesley said to young preachers one time, uh, I, I uh, encourage you to light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles around just to see you burn. And I believe that's what happens to pe preachers who are filled with the Spirit. There's a fresh uh, breath of fresh air in his ministry. His ministry is so dynamic because it connected with the lives of the people that listened to him. We like practical teaching here at Bible Baptist Church. I like taking a Bible story and connecting it to me. Hey, it's great to learn about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all those great men, but what does that have to do with me? And once we connect it and understand that all Scripture is given for inspiration and reproof and all Scripture is profitable to every one of us. They love that about him. And so on this day, it was sort of natural that Jesus would be called on to read. He had gathered quite a name for himself as rabbi and teacher. And so Luke tells us that Jesus stood up for to read. He came on this Sabbath day not only as an observer, but as a participator. The Bible says in verse 17, And there was delivered unto him the book of Isaiah, he, Isaiah which is Isaiah. He opened up the Bible and he read from it. And that, by the way, can I tell you, is the power of any preacher of the Word of God. That is the Word of God. I'm grateful to stand behind this sacred desk. And by the way, did you notice in the video uh, from Sunday number two, this pulpit right here was standing on this church. I think that's a blessing, the pulpit. If you might not know this, Miss Lois told me this over the phone, but on the night before uh, the, the very first church service, uh, uh, Dr. Knutson uh, had finished up late and they were getting everything ready. He went to bed and as he was about to drift off to sleep, he thought, oh my soul, I don't have a pulpit. And so he got up late, late on the night before the very first church service and he built that pulpit right there. Uh, it, it just threw it together and now uh, we still are using it today. I didn't know that thing was that special until he recently, she recently told me that story. Uh, and so, but I'm grateful that that uh, even though maybe every man that's pastored here and I might not agree on every little thing, I'm grateful that this book has been the center of this pulpit. I'm glad that this church uh, has, be because after all, friends, listen, the day that this book is removed from this pulpit is the day this church begins to die. The day that this book is replaced by something else uh, will be the death song of this place. Uh, so Jesus takes the book. He reads, starting verse number 18, we see, uh, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, 
Because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering the sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is He's reading out of Isaiah chapter 61. And then He closed the book. So far, so good. He just read Scripture. No big deal. This was normal. This was what everyone did. But what he says next drops a nuclear bomb in the middle of this group. What he says next shocks everyone who hears him. He says, this day is Scripture fulfilled in your ears. These words were electrifying. If the congregation came that day hoping for something uh, of a sensation, they weren't disappointed. The meaning of his words are crystal clear. He claims that what the prophet Isaiah, the Messiah he's talking about, you see in him standing right in front of you. I am the fulfillment of that prophecy. Whew, that was some strong words. Now, when you're going to start out a campaign, you have to be really careful about what you say because you want to make sure it's perfect. You want to make sure that it conveys what you're all about because CNN's going to play it over and over and over. Okay, So Jesus reads from Isaiah 61. Notice what he said he would do. He said he would preach the gospel to the poor. This has to do with economic brokenness. He said, I'll heal the brokenhearted. This has to do with emotional brokenness. Then he said, I'm going to preach deliverance to the captives. This has to do with sinful bondage. And then he said, I'm going to recover the sight to the blind. This has to do with spiritual blindness. All good things and all things that Jesus did. But what I want to focus on is the very last line in what he read. When he read, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is a powerful statement because Jesus is proclaiming in that statement the year of Jubilee. Now, we, when I said that, I kind of watched and nobody went, really? Because Jubilee doesn't mean much to us. We hear the word Jubilee and we might have an idea that it had something to do with the nation of Israel. But to Israel, this was a big deal. The year Jubilee meant something. Uh, Jubilee, we find about in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 25. And this is, by the way, what Jesus is quoting from when he says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, talking about Leviticus 25. The, the word Jubilee has a literal meaning in Hebrew of simply being a ram's horn, like the one you're seeing in front of you today. We call this a chauffeur. Uh, it's a ram's horn. That's what the word jubilee means. And uh, for the congregation here in the synagogue, they would understand what this is all about. The year of jubilee is found in Leviticus 25.9, and it is defined as the sabbatical year uh, after seven cycles of seven years. Seven times seven is 49, for those of you who were homeschooled like me. I looked it up this week and wrote it down so I would remember now, the 50th year, the year that comes after that, the 50th year is then to be a time of celebration and rejoicing for the Israelites. The ram's horn, the chauffeur, would be blown on the 10th day of the 7th month to start the 50th year of universal redemption. When they heard this horn blow, it signified a rest. It signified a reward for the nation of Israel. It signified their jubilee. The year of Jubilee meant many things. Uh, here's a few of them. 
It meant you were freed from all indebtedness. Leviticus 25, 23 through 38. Uh, the year Jubilee, uh, you were released from all types of bondage. That means that if you were a prisoner or a captive, you were set free. If you were a slave, you were set free. All debts were forgiven. You think we come up with new things today's day and age? Uh-uh. The original student loan forgiveness bill was back in Leviticus 25. All debts were forgiven in the year of Jubilee. All property was returned back to its original owners. All labor was to cease for one year. All those that were under labor contracts were released from them. The benefits of the Jubilee was that both the land and the people would have a chance to rest. They were not to plant crops. They were not to do anything to use the land. And this is what Jesus is referring to when he said to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now let me show you something else. In Matthew chapter 1, you don't have to turn there. We're not actually going to read from it, but in Matthew chapter 1, we find a genealogy given. And uh, how many of you, you there's nobody here but us, so you can be honest, through your Bible reading, when you come to a genealogy, you skip over it. Okay, time for honesty. The rest of you, you need to work on being more honest, okay? So you come to this genealogy, it doesn't mean much to us. In fact, I always think of the man that wrote a book review on the phone book. This was his review. Interesting cast of characters. Really weak plot. Uh, that's what I think of with the genealogies. We don't quite get it, but to the Jews, they, they, were made a, they were a big deal. Now, in Matthew, he does it a specific way. You see, his readers were primarily Jews, and they would know what he was talking about, and they would understand what he was doing, because all the Jews knew that there were 14 generations between Abraham and David, there were 14 generations between David and the exile, and there were 14 generations from the exile to the Lord Jesus Christ, the birth of Jesus. So what you have there is 14, 14, 14, or you could say 777777. Uh, this is the seventh, Jesus was in the seventh Seventh generation. So one day in, the, in seven, we understand, was the Sabbath. We get that from Genesis. And on the Sabbath day, you rested from your work. One year out of seven years uh, was in the Old Testament with a Sabbath year. But wait, there's more. In the Old Testament, in Leviticus 25, it tells us not only was there a Sabbath day, not only was there a Sabbath year, but uh, after every seven, seven Sabbath years, seven times seven again is... It's 49, all right? So every seven uh, times seven years, debts would be forgiven. Slaves were to be set free. This was the year of Jubilee. Now stay with me because this is going to mean something. Uh, there are different ways that Matthew could have laid out the genealogy of Jesus, but Matthew is presenting Jesus as the long-awaited fulfillment of the promises that were made to Abraham. So he presents Jesus as the firstborn in a series of seven sevens. That is the symbolic year of Jubilee. I believe what Matthew's trying to tell us, and I believe what's clear in his laying out of that uh, genealogy, is that Jesus Christ is our Jubilee. He will bring you the Sabbath rest that all those Old Testament rituals and all those Old Testament symbols pointed to. That's why he said... This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. He is the Jubilee. He is the Sabbath rest. He is the one who sets us free. He is the one who cancels our debt. Now, take a moment to say this. 
I'm grateful that our church is debt-free financially. That's a blessing. This allows us to be more effective in sending the gospel worldwide. Last Sunday, we took on five missionaries, new missionaries, and helped two others in their ministries. We're able to have a youth pastor, an associate pastor, and thereby be a great help to many churches uh, in our area. We're able to host an annual pastor's conference, uh, which is such a blessing to many regional pastors. We're able to remodel uh, when we need to with a beautiful lobby that the Lord's blessed us with this year. And we had to put on a new roof and we're putting on new siding uh, if it ever, if that slow ship from wherever ever shows up with the siding, we're planning to put that on. Uh, God has blessed this church tremendously. But the Jubilee represents much more, my friend, than financial freedom. The Jubilee represents a beautiful picture of the New Testament themes of redemption and forgiveness. Christ is the Redeemer who set us free, who set free those slaves and prisoners of sin that it talks about in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. The debt of sin that we owe to God was paid on the cross by Jesus Christ on our behalf. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. That means your charges. If you're ever arrested, they list out your charges at the arraignment. Uh, spiritually speaking, Jesus blotted those out. Uh, he, which was contrary to us, he took it out of the way and he nailed it to the cross, the Bible says. We are forgiven the debt forever. We no longer have to live in bondage. We're no longer slaves to sin. Uh, we have been freed for, by Christ and we can enter the rest that God provides us. Then Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. He is uh, our Sabbath. Matthew 12, 8, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. Jesus can be our Sabbath rest in part because He is the Lord of the Sabbath. As God incarnate, He created the Sabbath. He decides the true meaning of it. He is our Sabbath rest in the flesh. You remember when the Pharisees criticized Jesus for healing on the Sabbath? You know what he told them? He says, even you will pit, pull a sheep out of a pit on the Sabbath. You know what he said then? Uh, I am come to save the sheep. My sheep hear my voice when I call them. That's what Jesus Christ did. And I know them and they follow me. John 10, 27. He was telling the Pharisees, people are more important than sheep. Amen? Wouldn't you agree? People are more important than sheep. And by that saying that, that people are more important than religion, they're more important than your rules, and they're more important than all of the di different things the Pharisees held in such high esteem. Jesus was about the individual, not about a list of rules, regulations. And so the salvation he provided was much more than their man-made rules. He said in Mark 2.27, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Now... We, as Christians, rest not only for one day, but we rest forever in Christ's finished work. He is our Sabbath. Hebrews 4.4 4 tells us, For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest on the seventh day from all his works. Can I tell you? That was a rest of satisfaction, not a rest of exhaustion. God's not tired. He was setting an example for us. So, and then going on in Hebrews 4 and verse 9, There remaineth therefore a rest, to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into his rest. He is our rest. He is our Sabbath. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ is our 
Jubilee. Uh, now, I've looked and read and looked at different sources, and there's no evidence that the nation of Israel throughout their history actually observed that Jubilee. Now, they, it's a special day, and they still celebrate it, but uh, there's no evidence that they actually forgave all debts and forgive, uh, let, let all the captives go, uh, the, this mega Sabbath. But while man may fail in his duties, our God never does. And when Jesus declared Himself our Jubilee, He announced the year of Jubilee as an opportunity to make a fresh start. This is my challenge to you today, my friends, because for us at Bible Baptist Church, this is our year of Jubilee. It is year number 50. Jesus told His listeners that day, this day is is uh, the Scripture fulfilled in your ears. He came with a message of deliverance. It has been handed down to us through the Word of God that you too can be free from your bondage of sin, that you can have liberty from your guilt, that your debt has been canceled by His work on the cross, that no longer do you have to be a captive. He is our Jubilee. He announced in Scriptures that, that, that the Scriptures were fulfilled in Him. He announced that the year of Jubilee had begun uh, when He said the acceptable year of the Lord made it very clear. So I ask you then, what do we do in our year of Jubilee? Well, see, I, I tell you what we'll do. We did what they did in the Bible. We all quit our jobs and just sit around, right? Uh, that's not exactly... Who said, yup? Not supposed to say it there. Uh, that's not exactly what I'm talking about today. There's literal translation, and then we've actually put it uh, to practical use in our life. What do we do in our year of Jubilee? Well, we, first of all, we get right with God. Uh, dear friend, if you're here today and you've never been saved, what are you waiting for? I, what, the pastor that led me to the Lord, he's been here before, Pastor Tim Stowe, uh, he used to say all the time from the pulpit and different times in our youth activities when we did, he'd say, you know what I would do today if I weren't saved? I would get saved. I, I, I echo that. That's what I would do today. If I weren't saved today, I'd get saved. If you're not saved today, if you're not 100% sure of your home in heaven, what are you waiting for, friend? Get right with God. Freedom awaits you. Deliverance awaits you. Uh, hey, forgiveness awaits you. This can be your year of jubilee. If you're not born again, child of God, this morning, get that settled even today. What about you, Christian? If you've allowed yourself to be distracted by the things of the world or you've allowed yourself to become in bondage to some sin, uh, why don't you make this your year of freedom? Why don't you make this your year of liberty? This can be your year of jubilee. It's time to get right with God. Secondly, it's time of restoration. Restoration is a resetting of things back in their original order. The Jubilee returned the Israelites their family property. And maybe those of us here today, many, maybe there's some of us here that just need to get back to the basics of our Christian walk. It's a time of restoration. It's a time of faith. During the time of Jubilee, uh, they, the, they were not to plant crops for a year. They were not to work for that whole year. How were they going to survive? In fact, can you imagine the faith that they needed to trust God during this time? It's a logical question. If I can't put crops in the ground, what am I going to eat? In fact, God talks about that in verse 20 of Leviticus 25. If ye shall say, what shall we eat on the seventh year? Behold, we shall not sow, neither, neither gather in our increase. And then God went on to promise such a big blessing that they would not only eat through the seventh year, but they would eat in the eighth year and into the ninth year. He said they would have three years 
of increase. Simple message there. God will take care of you, friend. God will take care of you. You just do what he tells you to do, and he'll take care of you. He always does. God is never indebted to any man. It's time for us to have faith as well. We live in uncertain times, but we serve a supernatural God. Let us have faith in Him. We trust God as we continue to proclaim His Word. We trust God as we continue to give of ourselves. We trust God as we continue to serve. This is no time, friend, to lay down on the job. My ringing cry to you today is to keep on, keeping on. The next 50 years awaits us. I proclaim this year, the year of Jubilee. I pronounce today that we submit this church to its original owner. Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. Can I tell you, friend, today, the Bible Baptist Church does not belong to its members. The Bible Baptist Church certainly does not belong to Pastor Yoder. It is his church. It is he who builds it. And the best thing we can do is get out of the way while he builds it and do what he says throughout that time. This is God's church. It belongs to Him. May we let Him put His claim on this place. May we let Him rule and reign every heart in this place. I tell you today and I challenge you, let us today claim our jubilee. One of my gifts as pastor is mind reading. And I can read some of your minds today. You want me to blow this thing, don't you? Okay. Uh, this is not easy to blow. How many of you have ever blown a chauffeur? Oh, get up here and do this one. <laughs> this is not easy to blow a chauffeur. But uh, I, uh, I got this because I thought, what a great symbol. Uh, this was a symbol for Israel for thousands of years, their year of jubilee, their year of freedom. And uh, that when they blew this, it meant something. Uh, they called out. So we are not going to attach any meaning to my blowing this shofar because it could be very bad. All right, but here it goes. <laughs> See? What did I tell you? You want to try? No. <laughs> Sounds like what you do. Okay. Now, I got to tell you, I came in this morning at 5.50 to practice this. And you know what I did? Blew it perfect for like two hours. Now, in front of people, I can't anymore. So, if you want to hear this blowing correctly, I'll meet you here at 5.50 tomorrow morning, okay? And we'll get through it. But I claim... This is our jubilee. Let us accept He is our jubilee. On this day, we claim our freedom in Christ. We recognize that our debt has been erased. Our sin debt has been canceled. We are not in bondage anymore. No more am I a captive. I am free in Him. I can rest in the Sabbath of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is our year of jubilee. May we then, friends, continue on spreading the gospel in our town. Let us renew our desire to send missionaries all over the world. Let us keep this pulpit aflame with the preaching of the Word of God. Let the walls of this church burst from the love that comes within it. Let us invest our lives in our children through camps, conferences, VBS, all those things and more. Let us love on people that the world has discarded. Let us forgive the debts of those who have wronged us. Let us keep on lifting our Savior high. He is our Jubilee. This is our year of Jubilee. Praise God for 50 years at Bible Baptist Church. I want to wind up and go for 50 more. Amen? And I hope you're with me today. We won't all last maybe that long. But if the Lord tarries, we want this church to keep on going and to keep on being.
The way that we do that is to keep the Word of God at its center. Keep the preaching of the Word of God as the primary focus of our church here. May you join me today proclaiming this our year of Jubilee. Let us let us claim our freedom. If you're here today and you're not saved, friend, that freedom awaits you. What are you waiting for? I like the question that Brother Dwight and I were witnessing somebody this week, and they were hesitating and, and uh, talking about what a mess their life was and all the t- t- turns and different things that were happening. And I, it was kind of bold, but Brother Dwight said, hey, here's, here you're seeing a life, without, uh, a life with Christ presented to you. And here is a life without Christ that you've been living. How are you doing with that? How's that worked out for you? A life without Christ is empty. A life without Christ is problem to problem to problem to problem. You fix it, you move on, and you think that you think you're okay, and then you get blindsided again. A life with Christ is no, no in no means a bed of roses, but at least you got somebody on your side, amen, to be a help to you. I ask you today, claim your freedom. Let your debt be canceled. It's available for you. There is nothing you can do to cancel your own debt, but there's somebody who'll cancel it for you. Why? Because he's our jubilee. He's the one that will cancel that and give us the freedom to serve him. Are you with me today? Are you in it for the long haul? Can God depend on you? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. As she begins to come up, and as soon as she gets there, I ask her to start playing. You can stand along with me if you would. You don't even have to wait for her to start playing the piano this morning. I think it would be entirely appropriate for all of us to get on our knees this morning. Thank God for what he's given us.